it's time to get cozy and watch a Christmas movie. Cuddle up with a cutie and watch a Christmas movie. It's a podcast in a queer tree. For real, this whole project is worth it just for that song. I know, it's so good. (laughs) Welcome to Podcast in a Queer Tree a podcast where we make ourselves and our loved ones sit through the worst movies ever made and then talk about what a terrible time we had. My name is Nicole. And I'm Scott, with my friend Charlie. My enormous cat Charlie is sitting on Scott's lap and he does not look pleased about it. We have a special guest today. Welcome, special guest. Hi, my name's Julie. I am an art historian and a visual culture scholar and an avid fan of watching Christmas movies over and over and over again while I craft. Uh, yeah. How many times did you watch this movie, Julie? I watched this movie seven times. (laughs) That is almost certainly at least five more times than anyone involved with making the movie, including the editor, Mm -hmm. I'll bet. Absolutely. I think that I can go down in like the Guinness Book of World Records for watching the worst Christmas movies the most times. I barely finished this movie. I finished it probably 20 minutes before you two arrived, and I was I was visibly agitated the entire time. Yeah, this one was rough. Oh, it's so bad. Okay, well, let, let's read a synopsis and get into it. So we're talking about Holiday today, a release this year by Netflix, believe it or not. I guess it makes sense, 2020. Like, I think a couple weeks ago. It's it's very recent. It's very new. Trending, top 10. It is yeah. number eight in movies today. There's a lot of people making some really bad choices right now. Mm. Um, here's the synopsis. All they want is someone to drunk mock strangers with on holidays. No pressure, no romance, no chance it'll lead to love. That's all they want. It really nailed a lot of the boxes for things that offend me in movies. Mm. And like gift wrapped it. <laughs> in festive. A festive special. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's talk bingo. Julie, did you get a bingo? I did not get a bingo. I almost got a bingo. What um what bingo elements of note did you get to mark off? There's definitely an overbearing relative. The mother is outrageous. Yes. They are at one point driven apart by misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there is a supportive BFF. Um, Jackson, the male protagonist, has a very um, weird wingman. Neil, I believe his name is. Neil, great. I had to look it up. I don't know that his name is ever actually said. I think he's referred to as Black Panther a lot. Yeah. Yes. That's rough. Because of his wonderful costume. Amazing (laughs) Halloween costume. His his take on it. (laughs) Scott, did you get a big guy? Uh, I guess technically I did. Um, mm. I had attractive white female, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, wedding slash event planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, competing with your love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, another woman wants that dick. Obviously. Uh, and getting off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't get a bingo. I didn't try very hard, if I'm being honest, because I hated this movie so much. But I got a singular POC character with a minor role. <laughs> yes. Um, there were, in fairness, there were a few non-white characters, but none of them were real characters. Mm. So I think they played... Did any in... of them have speaking roles apart from the wingman guy? Well, the sister-in-law. The sister-in-law. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. 
isn't white. Can I, I just want to argue that, I would argue that no characters in this movie are real characters. <laughs> but I think we'll circle back to that in a bit. Yeah, I love that. That's very funny. I, I do not disagree. Um, I also got Bad Blue Screen <laughs> and Shirtless Guy Contrivance. Um, okay, so the first scene of this movie is Sloane smoking on the front porch of her mm. mom's house, about to go into a Christmas party, and Sloane, I think that, like, one thing that I really dislike about the character of Sloane, mm. among many things, is that she really embodies this, like, like, she has everything, She's, like, so thin. She's so attractive. She, like, you know, this, like, ongoing theme in this movie is that she, like, eats chips, eats all this crap that healthy sports guy Australia would never eat. And she's like, oh, I'm just such a slob. I'm such a mess. I hate love. I'm such a brat. But she, like, has this amazing apartment, this obviously very well-paid job. And I'm like, get over yourself. Like, you are a nightmare. Mm. She actually reminds me, though I have much less affection, of the main character of The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Eleanor Shellstrop. Totally, actually. Just like a hot mess. Yeah. Um, anyway, smoking isn't something you see very often in movies no. anymore. No, and it's a signal these days that that character's an asshole. Yes. Um, and the cast really is, we, we were talking before we started recording, like, Kristen Chenoweth is in this, big Broadway star. The mom um, from Titanic? The, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Frances Fisher. Thank yeah, you it's Frances Fisher, yeah. She, and she's been in tons of good stuff. Um, Dan Loria from The Wonder Years is the guy who has the heart attack. Oh, that's why he looks mm. so familiar. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, there's, there's like all these pretty good actors in frankly, thankless jobs in this movie. What a fall from grace. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It's brutal. But so From their perspective, they probably thought Netflix, Christmas movie... Super popular. You, yeah, you can't, can't lose. Ugh. But They maybe, lost. Maybe you can. Oh, you can lose. <laughs> we all lost by watching yes, we this all, movie. We Especially all you, Julie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You deserve some sort of like official accolade from Netflix for watching this movie seven times. I would like a serious swag bag. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm literally going to go to a trophy shop and I'm going to get it engraved. Thank you. I'll leave my mailing address with you. Um, So while the these like opening scenes of Sloane at her mom's house for family Christmas are occurring. We're also seeing scenes of <clears throat> what the fuck is his name? It's, Jackson. it's like Jackson, Jackson. Right? Yeah, um, played by Luke Bracy. Great. Jackson is on going on a third date with someone mm. to her parents' house for family Christmas. This scene was outrageous. Carly, oh yes, Carly, Carly's mom's house. I wrote down. Yes, that is quite a scene. So she gets super horny because her parents like him, but on the way into the house. He's like, do your parents know I'm coming? Is it okay? This is our third date. Christmas dinner is their third date. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know he's coming. They don't. Do they? No, no she, they do. I thought she, she says something says on the way in about says, they're about to find out. Sure. She's like, yeah, they may not even know you're here. But then they present him with a sweater. So like, and we're like, we love you from the pictures that Carly sent. Right. Uh, okay. yes. So they, so she's like playing him. 
It's weird, right? It's like, so weird. It felt like, I don't know if you've seen a movie called Get Out. Mm. Oh, yeah, the Jordan Yeah, Peele. the Jordan Peele movie. Didn't yeah. it kind of remind you of that? Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. being taken oh, back yeah. to that. That's all. a horror movie. And though. I think yes. especially, like, well, yes. do we, I mean, I watched the ending of this movie literally half an hour ago because it was, like, pulling teeth to finish it. But mm. the end of the movie is that Neil, the black best friend, ends up with her. Yes. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah! That's right. Is this secretly the pre, what's it called, the a prequel? A prequel to, to Get, Get Out? Out? Um, yeah. That's I, a dark take on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think that actually makes this movie a little better. <laughs> yeah. So then they have sex, or she like goes down on him, and then he she gives him khakis, <laughs> my, and she's like... My note, I basically have like a little montage. Blowjobs, pajamas, khakis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... And then she waits for her gift, and he's like, we said we weren't going to give each other presents. And then she's like, like, I just feel like there's so much, like, quote, crazy chick, yeah. like, narrative in, the, in this movie. So much. Like, the amount of times he alone says crazy chick is so, so gross. So she, like, loses her bananas. She's like... I let you come in my mouth, but you won't get me a Christmas present. And then he offers her $80, and she refuses it, which is the most ridiculous. She 40 He ups to 80 She says, okay. Take the 80 Did she take the 80 She's like, okay. Okay, well... Didn't that have kind of a, oh, but I just paid you for sex vibe to it? Well, she's like, what is she... At 40, she's like, do you think I'm just a prostitute? And he's like, I wasn't... Uh, 80 and then she's like okay and then she does some like mouth sexy thing and then I think the scene cuts away yeah it's a weird scene it's so weird like I'm like are you pro sex work or are you shaming sex work I literally couldn't tell I, and I was con- I was confused possibly both I yeah. think given the tone of the rest of the movie which was <laughs> shaming literally everything I'm gonna say not pro sex work. yeah clearly not clearly no not. Uh, we then have a, a stellar quote from Jackson, chicks go mental on the holidays. So, that's, that happens. Chicks go mental on the holidays. <laughs> oh, good. Should I keep doing that? Oh. Absolutely. I vote with you, yes. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Slip loves my accent work. Ugh, I hate Australian accents. They're so oh, really? hard to listen to. Oh, that's fair. The American one, it's like... Oh, like, it's not just, like, reruns run every day. No, like, no. they film every day. No, there's, like, an episode... It's more like the British model of TV, where there's, like, a little bit every day for a week or whatever. Wow. Yeah, it's it's strange. So then Sloane's little brother proposes to his so girlfriend. So then we cut to Sloane's At Christmas. Proposal. At Christmas. Christmas proposal. As you do. As you do. Um, that's all I have for this. My next notes are about the mall. Importantly, Sloane is sitting at the kid table. All the adults are coupled sitting at the adult table. And the mom is making a big deal about getting the leaf to extend the table. Just for Sloane. Because she's a single adult woman and not actually an adult unless she's with child or married. So she has to sit at the kid's table. And then I think at one point, does the sister or the mom come in and they're like, oh, just come sit at the adult table. And Sloane's like, no, this is where I'm Yeah, they're like, we'll get the leaf. This is the only 
this is a choice that she makes in that Sloan makes in this movie that I agree with. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, man, stay at the kids' table. Do you really want to interact with these horrible adults? The kids are the only fun ones in the movie. The kids are the only adults in the movie. <laughs> but in a, I found that also kind of irritating. It's creepy. Frankly. Very disturbing. Daisy's like, I have a boyfriend. We share a juice box. I'm like, does every fucking woman in this movie have to have a goddamn boyfriend? Yeah. I felt a bit bad about Daisy. Because at, at one point, uh, Sloan is being a real asshole to her mm -hmm. uh, fairly early in the movie. You know, cringe comedy is very popular now, thanks to shows like, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Fleabag. Um, where the laughs are coming from just watching a person go through one torturous thing after another. Ugh. Um, and that's kind of what this movie felt like. It was just mm -hmm. one shitty thing happening after another, piling on. Yeah. Um, Do you think it was supposed to be that kind of humor, though? Yeah, it, that's, it's, it is a popular brand of comedy these days. And sometimes I guess it can work. Like, Fleabag is a very funny show. but. Um, yeah, I, there were definitely moments where I felt very anxious. Yeah. On behalf of the characters. And I guess I think I was supposed to be laughing, but I was not laughing. I laughed a total of two times in this movie. Uh, out of, like, I laughed two times in this moody movie out of feeling amused. Mm. Not, I laughed multiple times in this movie about how uncomfortable I was. Mm. Um, one of the laughs happened uh, in the next scene, which is at the mall. Mm. Uh, Sloane is going to return the enormous Christmas pajamas she got. How could anyone ever be so fat? Right. Fuck all of you. Right. Um, and the, so the date, we haven't talked about Aunt Susan yet, played by... Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. Um, so her Aunt Susan's thing is that she, she introduces Sloane to the idea of the holiday. Yeah. Someone that you just go on a date with for one holiday to like get your family off your back you which have is, a date which is a very hallmark idea that happens in hallmark movies all the time yeah just not usually for an entire year oh it's usually like i need a date to my birthday or my friend's wedding or yeah whatever and aunt susan's holidays are always these like extremes so she shows up to christmas dinner with the mall santa that she had met like earlier that day mm-hmm Aunt Susan is, like, like a bit of a hot mess. Like, everyone in the family's a hot mess, but Aunt Susan is sort of the, like, hot, older lady cougar hot mess. I think know? she's basically Emma Roberts in 25 years. Yeah, she's yeah. supposed to be the cautionary tale. Well, yeah. and she has that realization. Um, but then, so the scene at the mall, uh, Sloane is, like, walking through the mall, and the, the date, the Christmas Santa from the night before, recognizes her from across the mall and pulls his beard down and is like, hey, Sloan! <laughs> I laughed at that. That was very yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then she meets Jackson in line. He's trying to return his khakis. That's their meet cute. Returning that, pants. Returning <laughs> pants that they neither of them want. Yeah. And, and Jackson heckles him. She heckles him. He heckles her. They heckle each other. He says... terrible people. Yes, obviously. They really found each other. Really. He tells her, humans aren't meant to be alone on the holidays. I don't... Sure. I don't know if... He's, he's deep. It's very deep. 
Um, he's a golf pro, whatever that is. And <clears throat> that's all I put down. It's like somebody who gives care. instructions. And, okay. <laughs> I did one. I don't think I ever caught that he was a golf pro. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, but his wingman friend works at the pro shop, right? Yeah. Like, so do they work there together? I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. That explains why he's there all the time. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> or he's just uh, hanging out at the golf shop all the time. It's truth, mate. I'm a golf pro. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast. Um, no, I just really wanted it to end. I was like, okay, got it. They met, they've had banter, they are stuck in a lineup, and they establish how pathetic and terrible. They compare terrible Christmas stories with each other. Yeah. And then they see Mall Santa from Aunt Susan's date, and then Jackson makes him crackle. Like, that's genius. If you just had somebody to date at every holiday, then you wouldn't have to worry about the messiness of, like, love or people having feelings or whatever. And so he's like, why don't you be, he proposes to Sloan, why don't you be my date for New Year's? And she's like, no thanks. Or he, oh, he makes a joke, like, I should get a holiday for New Year's. And then Sloan makes a joke of, like, I think the mall Santa is probably booked. Mm. But he's obviously joking and asking her. Yeah. And so he gives her... And his number and is like text me oh yeah and then the next scene is like Sloan getting heckled by her family who are just trying to marry her off ASAP yep and so she's like oh my god I cannot stand my mother facetiming me at work constantly berating me about dating or like prop like introducing me to strange men that I've never met um, yeah that's a bit much too yeah video conference calls oh so she texts Jackson and is like, I guess, oh, Jackson's going to a really, like, amazing party or something. So she's like, this... For sounds, New Year's. For New Year's. We're at New Year's now. We're at New Year's. Yep. So that's how that happens. Their first holiday with each other is the New Year's Eve party. Yes. Yeah. Is that the thing that looks like a swingers club? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Precisely. So this New Year's Eve party has bubbles, much <laughs> like a toddler's birthday party, dancing, much like a toddler's birthday party, sparklers... Much like a toddler's birthday party, and champagne, which some people at a toddler's birthday party might have. Um, the only redeeming aspect of this New Year's party is the women helping women moment mm-hmm. in the bathroom, totally. which I think by this point, Scott, you know that I love. Yes. When they trade dresses. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was nice. And like, it was like, like this woman is having a meltdown. She's got this white dress on, there's wine all over it. It really does look like she's been shot. It's like a very dramatic wine stain. Very bad spill. And she's like having a meltdown because her boyfriend's going to propose to her and she can't look like this, which is like, you know, it's like valid, but also pretty eye rolly. And her friend is like, I'll trade dresses with you. And that doesn't work for some reason. And then Sloane ends up giving her, like, trading dresses. and They were just closer in size, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I, don't I really think remember. the joke was that the other friend had a really, quote-unquote, tacky dress on and that it was quite patterned. Uh-huh. Because the, the woman who's having the meltdown looks at her, doesn't want over, and was like, and just kind of keeps crying. Like, that's not going right. to work, whatever. Anyway, there was some nice women helping women moments. Yeah, it was nice. It was, a, it was maybe one of the only generous scenes yeah, where Sloan does a nice thing. <laughs> Isn't Kristen Chenoweth at that party too? Yes. I have I have a quote here of, it must be Jackson saying, your aunt seems nice after she does something 
crazy <laughs> to him. The aunt is dating, shows up to this party with another holiday, and she's dating at this one an art student. Oh, right. And the joke with Kristen Chenoweth is she never remembers their names. So she calls him Rodney or Robert and then ends with Francois. <laughs> and he's like... Writes it in Sharpie on her arm yeah, at one point. Date, yeah. And so she tells the story to Jackson and Sloan about how she met him when he was... When she was nude modeling in his art sculpture class or whatever and he did a beautiful clay rendition of her clitoris right right and she's like would you like to see it sometime and someone's like do. no and jackson's like yeah all right <laughs> oh. so I'll, I'll spare you my accent for, <laughs> for, for clitoris thank you thank you so much um so i believe this new year's eve party ends with the two main characters doing the dance from Dirty Dancing. Oh my god! And it's this successful. Such a weird moment. It's so they had this movie has too many ideas in it. Yeah. So they do this successfully for about two and a half seconds, and then her dress rips off, and everyone sees her boobs. And someone yeah. and she's like having this beautiful like swan in the air moment, and then this other person's like boobs, boobs. She yep. looks down, and Jackson's looking up at her breasts, obviously. Yeah. And then yeah. she bails. He dro- they fall. He drops her on her head. Something, yep. something. I mean, like, the that sequence started with nobody puts baby in a corner and ends with her Sloan saying nobody drops baby on her head. Mm. Good one. Yeah. <sighs> Hilarious. Yeah. Great one. But don't. Um, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked before about set pieces and how they often don't work. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this one it, it's exactly this kind of thing that I hate in movies where they're taking they're basically just trading on something that everyone knows, mm-hmm. a movie that a lot of people love. Mm-hmm. I don't, but you know I get why people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do their stupid bullshit with it. Yeah, and you're just like, mm-hmm. what what is anybody supposed to enjoy about that? Like, cool, you reference the most referenceable movie moment in Western cinema in the last 50 years. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and then took a big dump on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they're in a cab. When, and when do they first mention Ryan Gosling? Because I have that around oh, here. Yeah. I did not It's follow. his birthday, by well, the way. Was... Today! Ha- happy birthday, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> We're recording this on Ryan Gosling's birthday. Yeah. Wow. Importantly, the New Year's Eve... Like, five seconds before the ball drops, Jackson goes to, quote, take a piss. And so Sloane is standing there, having just been dropped on her head, wearing the white gown with the blood stain all over it. (laughs) Right. And then... And he's not even there for the kiss. Yeah, so then midnight happens, and she's standing there by herself, and she's like, what the fuck is the point of this holiday bullshit? Yeah, this holiday was a bad idea. Yeah. 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 And then I think they cut to the cab scene. I think he gives her, like, a perfunctory kiss on the cheek. And it's, like, very awkward. Super awkward. Something else very important that we skipped over, Mm -hmm. very important, is that back in the shopping mall scene when they're doing their meet cute, Mm -hmm. he says to her that she's not his type, that she would be perfect for holiday dating. She's not his type because he doesn't find her attractive. Right. Right. So just going to throw that in because that comes up so much. Yeah. She brings it up herself. She's mad about it. Basically yeah. the whole movie. It's... Yeah. yeah. Also in the mall. 
much less relevant. Um, there's a store I noticed that was called Foot Action USA. <laughs> I always love looking at malls in movies because they can't have proper brands, so they yeah. throw the most inane garbage yeah. out there. Nice job, props. Okay, I'm going to the cab. Do it. Regarding Valentine's Day, Sloane says, I have a standing date at a candy store. Which, like, putting aside the rampant fat phobia in this movie, I think is an amazing way to spend Valentine's Day. <laughs> I have a standing date at a candy store. Nicole, would you like to spend next Valentine's Day with me <laughs> at a candy at store? A candy store. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, and then they're at a card store, maybe? And by they, I mean Sloane, her sister, Abby, and her little brother's fiance, Liz. Liz. Um, and then Liz is like, the wedding is in eight months and you're already letting yeah. yourself go. Yeah. So then Sloane goes to the candy store and runs into Luke, her French ex-boyfriend. And Luke. Um, the phrase, don't be such a pussy, comes out in this scene, yeah. which is something. And Jackson says, don't say that. It's weird when girls say pussy. Oh, yeah, it's weird when girls say pussy. I was like, what? So much is happening. <laughs> What's going on? That's why you had to watch this movie seven times. I was like, there's nothing redeemable. It's all... <laughs> Awful! Like, there's just so much bad stuff. Uh, my note there is, Luke is gross, his girlfriend is gross, this is all gross. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. the one who never stops coming. Ugh. Quote, gross. Luke's girlfriend. Wow. Gross. Um, <clears throat> is this also the first time, because I think it happens more than once, where uh, Sloane compares herself to... Oh, Felicity is the, the girlfriend's name. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And Sloane keeps talking about how much younger Felicity mm -hmm. is than her. <laughs> and I'm like, aren't you actually about the same age? Yeah. Like, look, maybe there's a year difference between you? But... They looked like identical ages to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and about identical in terms of attractiveness. Yeah. Because Sloane is like, oh, how can I compare to her? I, I, re I get that it's your ex's new girlfriend, so you feel insecure and stuff, but... They are literally interchangeable faces. The, yeah. Interchangeable everything. Yeah. They're writing as if yeah. Sloane is 40. Yeah. But she is not yet 30, I'm pretty sure. No, she's, she's maybe 25. She says, I'm pushing 30 yeah. at one point in the movie. So she's like 27, probably. Yeah. So that... It just... Oh, and then I believe after this horrible encounter in the candy store, uh, Jackson gives her a ride home and says, women are hardwired to attach and procreate. Mm, yes. I don't... I feel like if part of me... I don't under, really understand who this movie was made for. Because know. on one hand, it seems like it's catering to like, really straight, normative, normie normies. Mm. But on the other hand, it's, like, it, it seems like it's supposed to be, like, shock jock comedy mm -hmm. for people who, like, went to see Wedding crasher, Crashers in theaters, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> like, I honestly don't know who the audience for this movie is for. I feel like the writers were some weird, like... Rose, who wrote 
exactly rom-coms in like 2005 at like the height of this post-feminist moment of like misogyny somehow got a last shot writing holiday and then tried to like whip out some jokes that were like not funny 15 years ago but more like mainstream and then yeah make an appearance here it's weird it's like the men are all misogynistic the women are all misogynistic yeah and yeah who is the audience who are these jokes supposed to be landing with because there's some really weird moments where I'm like, I don't think the audience is men. But I don't know that the audience is women either. Certainly not queer people. Some kind of algorithm. I guess. Maybe. Well, and I think... Maybe it's for all the bots on like computers. Maybe it's not actually yeah. for people. <laughs> Maybe it's for like machines that hate people. <laughs> there's enough of them out there that they make a Netflix demographic. Oh my god. It's just for Alexas. It's just for house robots across the world. <laughs> yes, they're all gossiping with each other. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god, a woman wrote this movie. No. What's her name? Tiffany Paulson. Oh, I know that name. Yeah. What she... else has Tiffany Paulson written? Oh, she wrote another movie that um, Emma Roberts was in. Oh, she was an. She's been an actor in a few things. I don't know. I can't investigate this movie any further. I just like. I think you bring up an interesting point, Julie, which is that, like, I think this movie, like, really taps into, like, women who hate women. Yeah. Like, it gives you permission as a woman to hate women. You know? It's like a really bizarre, twisted outlet. Or to feel superior to a different kind of woman than yeah, you, I guess. Different side of the same coin, I would argue. They're competing with other women or they're bullying other women. There's so much bullying in this movie. Yeah. Mm. And like even the moment of what women helping women like trading dresses in the bathroom happened with like an eye roll and a derisive like, ugh, that kind of girl. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. And like that scene was cast, the woman who had the wine blood stain on her dress was quote-unquote, a hysterical woman. Oh, yeah, she like, was hysterical, for sure. There was a lot of... Because like, she cares about her engagement, I guess? Yeah, because she's planned this really special night and had, like, a lot of hopes and dreams for it. Like, that's totally fine. But, like, I notice a lot of vocal fry, like, femme vocal fry in this movie as a way of, like, denigrating or shitting on women. Or where there was comedy about, like, quote-unquote, how mental women are. And I was like, it felt like cheap shots yeah a lot the, of the comedy the whole movie is cheap shots yeah. well and it's interesting that in that scene this quote hysterical woman in the bathroom mm -hmm. who's like so upset that her like picture perfect engagement has been ruined it's like the whole movie is trying to tell us that all we're supposed to care about is being engaged and married but then when women do care about that they're like hysterical having meltdowns in the bathroom and I'm like what do you want from us movie mm -hmm. but I think the movie as a whole is pushing us towards like caring about marriage like the the tone mm -hmm. of this movie is more on the side of the overbearing mother yeah than anything else right? well, yeah we're, we're supposed to take away that the holiday idea is a bad idea yeah. Which it is. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Well, don't um, do it with a stranger at the very least. So, by the time we get to St. Patrick's Day, I'm wondering why the fuck these people celebrate every single holiday. 
St. Patrick's Day is the one that makes the most sense to me because that's the one with the drinking montage. And I feel like those two people, Jackson and Sloan, like that's their Christmas. They like to get wasted. Yeah, they just like to get wasted and feel terrible. Yeah, because they're like terrible. Yeah, because they are terrible. But I'm just like, why? Like, just just call in sick for the holiday. Like, just don't celebrate the holidays. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. I feel like they try to address it in the St. Patrick's Day scene because I think Abby, her sister, is there. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why are you even doing this? And someone's like, because it's fun. Like, I want to have fun. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I get that. But, like, do you not have friends? We see no female friends. And the answer is, of course, no. She's miserable and she hates women. So, of course, she doesn't have friends. Exactly. The only would be her friends. Yeah. The only women in her life are the women who, like, have to be around her. Her sister, her poor sister-in-law, mm. and her terrible mom. Yeah. And Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> oh my god. Aunt Susan. And hot mess Aunt Susan. <laughs> so, uh, Easter is the holiday that these white people love to celebrate after <laughs> um, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. My first note is Farouk deserves, deserves better. Yeah. I love Farouk. Farouk so, is so sweetly handsome. So Farouk is one of the men that um, Sloane's mom calls her at work with on the line. And is like, yeah. this is my new neighbor. He's a doctor. Well, I he's the, oh, he's their neighbor. He's an eligible oh, he's doctor. A, I was gonna, that explains why the fuck he's like invested yeah, he's, in this nightmare yeah, family. He's there all the time, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why he likes the mom. Like, the mom is god-awful. And the mom is just like BFFs with Farouk. I'm like, Farouk, oh my god. Farouk shows up at Easter dressed yes. as a bunny. Dressed as a bunny. Cute bunny. Poor Farouk. Farouk is also... Why the, does he do that? That I don't, I can't explain that. I don't is have, he a holiday for... No, not, no, yet. not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And Susan shows up with Jesus. Lol. Yes. Right. Boosh. Some shit happens. I don't know. My only notes, I, I really, my notes really went downhill at this point. <laughs> I really started losing it for this fucking movie. I'm very committed to this podcast, but this was really, it took me like six hours to watch this whole movie. I kept pausing it and leaving. Um, this whole movie is men are from Mars, women are from Venus, yeah. but with bad sex jokes. Who is this movie for? Um, men, men are from Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> is this thing on? <laughs> okay, is now the time where we talk about straight people being so freaked out by anal sex? Sure. They just talk about backdoor, back and I think it's in Easter that they talk about this. And I he's think I like, missed that entirely. It comes up a few times. I think it's brought up at St. Patrick's Day when they're drunk talking about, like, so finally Sloane is like, so what's your story? Why do you hate romance? And right. he's like, well, whatever. He tells a story, which I can't, I'm too bored to even, like, retell. <laughs> but one of the sidelines is, like, I was vulnerable. I got attached to, like, this girlfriend leaving her things in my medicine cabinet. And one day... She took her things at my panini press and was gone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, good for you. We were just starting to explore different sexual positions, which obviously means that they were like emotionally investing, question marks. <laughs> and so Sloane pushes and is like, what positions? And he's like, none of your business. And then they start talking about whether Sloane has sex ever or not, whatever. But this gets picked up again at Easter when Sloane's like, so 
what positions. Right. And that I, th- I think, yeah, I think at this point she's like, was it like the back door? The old waffle iron. <laughs> I, I love that that ex got a panini press out of it. I know. I'm like, good for her. Yeah. It wasn't a total waste. Yeah. No, I can't even imagine what that poor ex-girlfriend had to put up with. Oh, my God. panini press. <laughs> Terrible anal sex. <laughs> Sorry about that accent. You're not. I like that one. <laughs> Um, Cinco de Mayo happens. Stop culturally appropriating holidays. Uh, Cinco de Mayo's not a party for you. I didn't even make notes. Cinco de Mayo just happened and I skipped to Mother's Day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I just missed a lot of these or what, because I... It's really unremarkable. It's just a montage of different holidays where you, the plot is that they don't actually like each other very much, but they're somehow... Con- it would be better, because heaven forbid you be alone and independent and not with somebody on any of these holidays. So they, like, keep rebounding at each other. Um, on Mother's Day, uh, Titanic Mom throws out this unfortunate line. Mm. She doesn't need another friend. She needs a husband. She needs a fucking friend. Yeah. She doesn't have a single one. She doesn't have any friends, Mom. I would argue she needs the friends first. She needs the friends way more than she needs a husband. Maybe a good half dozen friends to hang out with. And I mean, like, I would also like to say that I hope that someday a friend might maybe be a husband, but, like, should probably be a friend first. So, like... Or will introduce you to a future husband or, or like, you know... like, fuck the husband, never mind. Like, yeah. Friends forever. <laughs> yeah. But having some kind of social network. Any kind. Would, yeah. That isn't your crazy family. Oh God. It's just unhealthy. Mother's Day is also where Titanic Mom compares dating and having sex with her daughter to eating escargot. Yes. At first, you may not think it looks appealing or will taste appealing, but then you put it in your mouth and realize that you kind of like it. Wow. Yeah, that happens. And then they get up to go, they're like, well, let's go find a bathroom stall and fuck. And Titanic Mom is like, oh, you two are so funny. End of scene. Yeah. Then the 4th of July happens. That's a hot, hot mess. Yeah, I think the first thing I want to say, like, the way that Liz, the little brother's Christmas proposal fiancé, gets treated in this movie mm. is so abhorrent. This, the 4th of July party in particular, they're, like, pressuring her to smoke weed. Mm. Like, so, like, in a really yeah. aggressively yucky way. Yeah. Like, they're like, just try it. And she's like, no, thank you. And they, like, basically force her to do it. Yeah. Just try it. She's never had weed? She seems, like, sh- like sheltered. She's supposed to be, like, kind of sheltered and spacey and, like, this, like, innocent... Well, like, two seconds later, they then... Sloan gets in her face and is like, say fuck. Why don't you say fuck? Just say fuck. And Liz is like, no, I don't want to. And yeah. So mm. like, say fuck. And then, like, just, like, starts yelling at her in her face yeah. until high Liz finally just screams fuck. Yeah. I found that scene very upsetting, actually. It's really intense and gross. Yeah. 
Um, and so all the bros are shooting fireworks at someone trying to have a canoe ride yeah. and saying things like, I love the smell of napalm and saying, woo America. Yeah. Yeah. What the dude in the canoe, was that a friend of theirs? No, that was a guy on They're a lake in a canoe. Shooting fireworks at a stranger. Yeah. Also, so obnoxious. It's horrible. very obnoxious. Also, well, like fire... fortunately, there are some consequences because Jackson yeah. blows his finger off. Yes. Um, there's... Just the 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 middle finger. The middle no finger. Less. The fuck the, you finger. The fuck you the finger. Fuck you finger. The biggest. How fuck am I supposed? You. How am I supposed to live without that? <laughs> how can I go back to Australia <laughs> unable to say fuck you to anyone? Fuck you finger. Oh my God, are you both doing Australian accents? No, that's it. That's we've got to make time. our own fun with this movie. Go, yeah. go babies! <laughs> that's all. That's all you get from me. Um, they're smoking weed in the hospital bed. You can't even do that here. As weed's you do, a, weed's illegal. Farouk is the doctor. Okay, but first, Ugh. first Jackson's like finds the weed in the glove box because he's putting his finger in there because Sloan can't see it. And then he's like, no, I don't smoke weed. I'm an athlete. Oh, right. He's oh. a golf pro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sloan's like driving all over the place. Cut next scene. They're in the hospital getting high as fuck. Yeah. And this is the only scene in the whole movie that I like. And the only time when I laughed. The nurse... They're high. They're hotboxing this curtained hospital cubicle. Mm-hmm. Moves the cup from your mouth. And the nurse opens, slides open the curtain, looks super annoyed. like, seriously? <laughs> and they're, like, cracking, like, finger jokes or, like... Oh, yeah! <laughs> they're, like, doing all these puns with fingers. You've got her wrapped around your finger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't know you from somewhere. I can't quite put my finger on it. <laughs> And she's like, the doctor will be here in like two seconds. He's doing a pinky toe. And Jackson's like, what? He couldn't, a finger's more important than a toe. And then the nurse says, and this is the only redeeming line in the whole movie. Well, it's too bad you couldn't have been jackasses a little bit earlier. (laughs) And I was like, I am this nurse. This is the only person in this movie I identify with. The only one in the movie speaking any semblance of reason. Yeah. (laughs) That and Daisy the six-year-old. Yeah. Oh, Daisy. Um, And then Farouk comes in and is like, sorry, I was reattaching a pinky toe. It's a very important phalange. Points for the use of the word phalange. Um, Do you have anything about this hospital scene, Scott? Not really. Just the same as you. Just that Farouk shows up again and seems to be a pretty good guy. Handsome and competent. Yeah. He's quite handsy with her, though, which I didn't think... I feel like a thing in rom-coms and Hallmark movies is, like, doctors being really unprofessional with their patients. Yeah. (laughs) So in the social experiment that is holidating, this scene, or the 4th of July, marks the moment where... Um, they sort of, like, cross the threshold of just being strangers in that one of them requires care and the other Mm -hmm. one has to provide care. Mm -hmm. And so they go through a form of crisis together Mm -hmm. and therefore form intimacy or bond about it. Mm -hmm. Sloane takes him home, orders him soup and a panini from some shop, tucks him in. Mm -hmm. They, like, touch and have a non-platonic like moment. sexually or emotionally charged moment. There's like 
halted, faltered breath, <laughs> and then like Sloane hastily retreats because oh my god. Yep. Emotions. Yep. yep. Well summarized. Um. I believe the next scene after that is each of them respectively scheming with other people about yeah. how to manipulate the other yeah. when they could just communicate with each other totally. and have a very basic conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There... The next holiday that's coming up is the wedding. Labor Day slash a wedding. Yeah. Liz yeah. and Liz's wedding. wedding. They, uh, they're scared of, quote, catching feelings. Yeah. Um, and Jackson goes to talk to his pro shop friend. Neil. Neil. Yep. Um, who gives him just uniformly terrible advice the whole movie. Yeah. There's a scene where there's... Oh, it must be um, when she's doing her conspiring with somebody. They have, like, a split-screen FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think I've ever seen in a movie before. Totally. Because they've also got, like, the little inset pictures, so you're, like, watching four of them. Yeah. And it reminded me of... uh, There's a movie with Tony Curtis... From like the early seventies, maybe late sixties, about the Boston Strangler. Okay. And it has a lot of like split screen oh, stuff. Oh yeah. It's like, oh man, I wish I was watching the Boston Strangler. <laughs> That's how much you hated this movie. Uh, yeah. I mean it's just that movie's really well made. <laughs> this one is not. So the outcome of this FaceTime is that they awkwardly try to navigate whether the other has feelings for them or not, slash avoiding the other person's feelings. And so they somehow stumble onto the arrangement that they will each bring other dates to this wedding. Yeah. Right. Because it's not a holiday, therefore holidays is off. Oh, that's right. So. Well, they, they, the, one of the discussions is that Labor Day is a holiday, but wedding trumps holiday. Right. Right. I am a little confused as to, A, how this movie got made, and B, (laughs) if Jackson isn't going as Sloane's holiday, why is he at the wedding? Allow me to provide, because I also wondered this, and then I think on the fourth time around watching this, it kind of like, I clued into that, because back at the St. Patrick's Day scene in the bar, Jackson bumps into York... Yeah. Who is Sloane's brother. Yeah. And they have this moment where they're like, buddy, man, or mate. And, <laughs> and then it turns out Jackson is teaching York how to golf. Oh. And York is the groom. And that warrants so a wedding invitation. The groom invited some dude that gave him two golfing lessons. You know what? That tracks. <laughs> In this movie, it I can does. easily imagine York doing that. So they wow. are each respectively invited, and they each get a plus one. Wow. See, I assumed that he was there because Kristen Chenoweth used him as her holiday, and she was just oh, interesting. So yeah, trolling so through her Rolodex Jackson, of available men. Jackson shows up with Aunt Susan, yeah. and Sloane shows up with Farouk, Doctor Farouk. And then they compete with each other, question mark. I would like to briefly talk about the absolute worst scene in this movie. Mm, Yes. Um, Which is just 
I, th I think my read of this scene, which I think I have a strong argument for, is the father-daughter dance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That you're bringing this up. Which is just mocking non-native speakers of English. Yep. And, like, this father-daughter dance is to... What, it's a song about sex. It's, like, clearly about sex, right? Yeah. And the whole, like, wedding audience is watching and being like, this is so inappropriate. Do they know what's happening? And, like, some people are laughing, and it's, like, this, like, mockery of this father and daughter dancing to a song about sex. And then Sloan and... I can't even be bothered to remember his name. Jackson. Thank you. Go to, like break up the dance and sort of like cut the tension as it were. And it's another weird scene, like with the dress swap where it's like, these two assholes are going to be nice in their heads. Yeah. But the whole scene shouldn't have happened to begin with. The scene did not have to be in this movie. No. The no. only purpose that this served was to be grossly racist. Yeah. Yeah. It literally contributed nothing to the movie except like, dog whistling people who think that racism is funny. Yeah. yeah. That's literally all it does. Yeah. Ugh, it was so gross. I felt like ashamed watching this yeah. scene. The, yeah. the the movie like I mean this movie's obviously like terrible, yeah. but I do feel like this took it to like a different level of terrible that has like material consequences. Yeah, it's from a just like from a comedy writing standpoint, it's weirdly retrograde. Like you said before, it's like they wrote the script 20 years ago. Yeah. When the kind of sensitivity levels of the culture were at a different place. For sure. It's really bizarre. It's brutal. I think with cringe comedy you're supposed to feel you're supposed to laugh because you feel superior. I hate that but, even more. Yeah. I hate that concept more than I hate this movie. I think the whole, like, the whole thing that this movie trades on is each of the characters feels better about themselves because they are putting down other people. And so if they're appealing to their audience in that you can make fun of, mock, or argle any and all of these characters and therefore questionably feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just... I don't know. I feel like TV has gotten so much better over the last few years that thankfully my bar is way, and I mean, always has been way higher, but I don't even have to settle for that anymore. Yeah. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I would have turned this movie off within, I think even before anyone said any words, like Sloane's stupid look on her stupid face when she's smoking outside that stupid house, I would have been like, I'm good. Before the, <laughs> before the title of the movie even comes on screen, which is about yeah. 10 minutes in. Yeah. There's already been a lot of appalling stuff. Yeah. Well, even yeah, even in the first like 5 seconds of the film, she like extinguishes her cigarette on the plastic Santa on the porch. So rude. And I feel like that's like a that's like a flag of like this is a shitty movie about shitty people who are unhappy. And it's like I don't need to watch that. The movie's the world is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. That might be a bit of a dig at her mom too. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, and later she when they're in the hospital, she puts her joint out on a on a like vitals machine. Like she's just an asshole, right? What an asshole. Yeah. Who puts a joint out on medical equipment? But you know what? You can have that kind of movie and you can have that kind of comedy. I don't know if you've ever seen um, Bad Santa. <laughs> like, wow. 
Billy Bob Thornton is slightly better at the end of that movie than he was at the beginning, right? Doesn't she fuck Lorelai Gilmore in a car? He sure does. <laughs> in, a, in a hot tub, I think. Oh. Hmm. And she's like, fuck me, Santa. But, and, but he's also friends with that little boy and does something nice for him before he gets arrested and dragged away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a bad Santa with a heart of gold, but everyone in this movie has a heart of... No. Something toxic. Something toxic. Let's skip ahead. I'm bored of this scene. Okay. Halloween. Halloween. That's what I have next. I have a lot of things to say. Will you talk about how rapey Neil is in his Black yeah. Panther costume stalking Abby, who's, quote, just playing hard to get? Yeah. Oh, my second laugh of the whole movie. Liz shows up and she's like, we were supposed to be Antony and Cleopatra. <laughs> and then York shows up dressed as Mark Anthony. L-O-L. That was a funny joke. He, like, shows he's got the shirt undone, some chest like, hair, the, the sunglasses. He's like, I'm Mark Anthony, the Latin lover. And I was like, and Liz is like, God damn it. Oh, my God. It was so funny. And I mean, like, the backstory of them is that they met three months before getting engaged on Christmas, that opening scene. And that they don't fucking know each other. So the whole movie, they're like, you don't even know me. You should know that. Like, why don't you actually know anything about me? So this is another one of those jokes. So good. Yeah. It, it was funny, though. It was very funny. Um, before the Halloween party, oh, yes. she's talking to, uh, she, Sloan, is talking to Abby at the house. Yeah, and, and the, the two nieces. The two nieces are there. And so one of the writers thought it would be really hilarious to have a little girl say, I want to be a whore. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. And the other one's like, yeah, me too. And the mom is like, just remember, the house gets 50%. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I was like, nice going movie. So yeah. brutal. Yeah. Well, it was also, well, I think they were, they also asked like, what's a whore? And yeah. then they didn't. It's. Someone who gets paid and to play with boys. Yeah. Someone, I want to be a whore. Yeah. Which is fair. Like, who does, like, play with boys, play with anybody. But yeah, then... I feel like they actually could have salvaged that joke. They just if, didn't if, if there was a way for the little girl to say, oh, well, I wouldn't play with a boy unless you paid me. So yeah, I guess that would... Yeah, like, get paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> play with boys. But anyway... So this that scene is happening while Abby is, like, <sighs> lacing Sloane into this corseted pirate like very sexy pirate oh right costume yeah that jackson has picked out for, for her. her yeah and so as she's doing this abby like hands sloan her like pre-party antacid and it's like here take this so that your stomach is settled lol and then they go to this party <laughs> um sloan and jackson encounter the ex-boyfriend, Luke. Luke, again. And Felicity. And Felicity's extremely pregnant. Yes. Nine like, months pregnant, basically. Nine months, yeah. Yeah. And At a Halloween party. With the worst fake pregnancy belly I've ever seen. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. It's like so clearly... No, that's not real. Fake. Yeah. yeah. And so Sloane obviously has a meltdown and like starts binge drinking and starts feeling awful and so then Jackson takes her home in a moment of holiday chivalry no holiday left behind yep. Jackson takes her home she starts feeling nauseous and not well in the elevator and she's screaming get this thing off me undo me so that she's like getting unlaced he's like bracing his leg against the side of the elevator trying to get her out of this corset and she's like 
screaming, rip this off me, or something like that. I I wrote it down. She she yells, just as the elevator doors open and there's an old couple there to see see them, she yells, just rip my fucking pants off. (laughs) Yes. Which, again, should have been funny. Yeah. It wasn't. But wasn't. But it's very scary, actually. Yeah. yeah. Very scary. Yep. So then, now, and then flashback to the bar, and Susan's not feeling so good, goes to Abby, can I, do you have any, like, stomach cellars, antacids, or something? Aunt Abby hands Aunt Susan what turns out to be laxatives. Che- oh. Chekhov's laxatives. Chekhov's laxatives. Yeah. Enter exactly. poop joke. In yeah. a very comical prop bottle, by the way. It just says prop. laxative in 3D comic yeah. sounds. Yeah. 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 Props to props for. Yeah. So for doing cut that. back to the scene. Abby can't get the keys in. There's like, whatever the sound that like you hear gurgly stomach noises. Yeah. I'm, like, having flashbacks to bridesmaids and shitting in sinks. And I'm yeah. like, oh, is she going to shit down his legs? Like, what's happening? Yeah. So she opens a door. The dress is still sort of on, sort of off. She flies into the bathroom, slams the door. And she's, like, like in distress. And Jackson's like, did you make it? And she's just, like... She's like, go away. Yeah, screeching, go away. As you would. So, I don't know if everyone forgot how dresses work. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, as the resident femme in this room, please tell us. Like, the glorious thing about dresses is that when you need to shit yourself, you can just lift up your skirt. Hmm, interesting. The corset didn't. So what you're saying is, I should always wear dresses. Absolutely, everyone should always wear dresses. Interesting. There are so many reasons why dresses are amazing, and like that is just one of them. So I do not understand the five minute theatrical lead up of the corset. What should have been happening is like let's focus on opening like barriers and getting to a washroom. I don't know. That part made absolutely no sense to me. It was just like slapstick. Yeah, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Thin pretty girl might actually have a bodily function. Yeah. Yeah. How gross. And then like the next scene is her dejected, her mascara is fucked up. She's in the bathtub shaking because oh well, such an unladylike thing has just happened to her with this boy that she likes but doesn't like, but likes but doesn't like, but likes but doesn't like. You know, when you've like, shit your pants in front of a prospective partner. I mean, that's a make or break. Yeah. Like, that's like going camping on a second date. You, like, really find out who you are and who you are together. If he sticks around. Yeah. Which he does. He does. So this is the moment where Jackson gets to return, like, in the social experiment of dating strangers. This is the crisis moment where Jackson goes through an ordeal. Similar to Sloan having to put up with a gross, yucky finger, Jackson has to put up with a pooping girl. Yeah. And, like, that's the crisis that yeah, they form intimacy and bond about. Yeah. I'd, I'd be out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, this is where my anecdote comes in. Okay. Because cool. by, this, by this point, I was watching this this morning with my daughter. Who is? Four months old. Yes. Nora. Yep. And I don't think it will surprise you a great deal to know that <laughs> Dr. Slip really has her fingers crossed for Nora to turn out to be a lesbian. Yeah, gay baby. Sure. Yeah, we all want that. So we were watching this this part of the movie, and there's a there's a moment right around there where Jackson just kind of almost pornographically peels his shirt off. Mm-hmm. And Nora went, 
no. And I was like, oh, no. Quick, turn it off. Turn it off. What if I don't? You ruined gay baby. Oh, man. You're brainwashing her with heteronormativity. Get that garbage the worst, off the screen. The worst kind of all, too. Oh, yeah. I may as well just, I'm going to, I'm going to start putting like money in the bank every month for therapy. (laughs) That's a very responsible parental move. Absolutely. She'll be, she'll be like 13, 14 at one of her first sessions. She'll be like, all I remember is there's this Australian guy. Australian. There was this one Christmas that was just so, there was just so much marriage. (laughs) And like strangers falling in love. Um, Slip texted me, Dr. Slip texted me today. Mm -hmm. And was like, well, I heard the movie you're going to talk about today is really rough. And I was like, yeah, it is really, really terrible. And she was like, yeah, I came downstairs while Scott and Nora were watching it this morning and said, get that heteronormative nonsense away from the baby. (laughs) It was just ending when she came downstairs. <laughs> I think I think I literally like looked guilty. <laughs> You're like turning Nora's head away from like, the screen. <laughs> Avert your eyes, darling. Yeah, totally. And fair enough. Yeah. Um, I feel really annoyed consistently in romantic comedies that in a situation where two people like accidentally fall asleep in the same bed or whatever, A, sleep through the entire night. Like does no one pee in the middle of the night? Does no one get sweaty and have to wake up and rip all their clothes off and like open a window for 10 minutes? Ordinarily I would say yes, but I'm guessing with these people, they just wet themselves. (laughs) Yeah, they must. And just change the sheets every morning. Like Like, in every romantic comedy, you like their sun streaming through the window the girl opens her eyes and sees that she's being accidentally, inadvertently spooned by the cute boy yeah. who subconsciously cuddled her in the middle of the night. And I'm like, if a human that I am not familiar with touches me in the no. middle of the night, I am going to stab them in the eye with a pen. Yeah. yeah. Abby comes over and she's freaking out because Abby and the Black Panther kissed, I which is that such a bummer. I did love the Black Panther costume. The costume was funny, but like Neil is so rapey in it. Yeah. Yeah. I was really not into that. But the costume itself was very funny. He's like, this is my interpretation of Black Panther. <laughs> Wakanda forever. And I was Wakanda. Like, I was uh. like, okay. Um, uh. So uh, Sloan like pushes what's his noodle out the door. She's like, nothing happened. Goodbye. See you at Thanksgiving or whatever. I am mortified. Yeah. Because I shit my pants in front of you. Yeah. In an outfit that you picked out for me. And then there's this like, ooh, fun role reversal where Neil and uh, Jackson are acting like women. Yeah. She acted like she didn't even care that we had <gasps> sex. Oh, that hurts. It didn't mean oh, yeah. anything to her. Right. She said, see you at Thanksgiving. She's so callous. 
I think that this was the point where I stopped this movie and was like, maybe I just won't finish this movie and Julie and Scott will just talk about the rest of it without me. If you like. I persevered. So yeah, Thanksgiving dinner is essentially ruined. Everything, all the food is ruined. Yep. So they have to go out on Thanksgiving. Sloan and Jackson have to go out. Yeah. And grocery shop. And grocery shop. On Thanksgiving, where you would think that stuff would be closed, but it's America, maybe not. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just always... Um, Sloan actually calls it out at one point. She's like, he's always at the mall. <laughs> they have a lot of mm-hmm. mall and shopping scenes for some reason. Because girls love shopping. I guess. Is this the scene where... He makes his love confession. Mm, yes. He says, I couldn't tell you that you have lips that beg to be kissed. <laughs> Julie, don't puke on my couch. <laughs> this love confession is so unwatchable. Um, there's something about a photo booth strip. She's looking oh, mournfully yeah. at it. Yeah, my next reading. She shuts him down. She's reading. She sees the photo booth strip. I don't remember them taking the photo booth. It must have been in a montage. So not only is the photo booth strip, the creation of the photo booth strip, not in the movie, but they are kissing Mm -hmm. in the photo booth strip. Oh, really? I didn't love, yeah. Which I guess could fill in the gaps about them waking up naked, not knowing if they slept with each other. Oh, maybe. But it's, like, very... That only just occurred to me now. It's very convoluted. Hmm. Um, My next note is the fucking audacity of this woman. She interrupts an entire choral performance (laughs) at the mall. What a weird scene. And then tells him that she misses him so much she quits smoking and eating candy. I miss you so much I overcame my addictions. But not enough to become an adult and, like, learn what an inside voice is and that, like, other people are singing. (laughs) Yep. I don't like it when kids have to be the adults or the parents in movies. Yeah, it's not charming. I feel like it's supposed to be charming. It's like, oh, audacious children acting like adults, but it's, like, kind of fucked up. I have a note here that, like, one of the things I hate the most is, like... I, like, I don't like children swearing in my Christmas movies. <laughs> Why don't you like it? I don't know. Like, it's not wholesome. Like, I want a family wholesome time. Yeah. And, like, I can handle dick jokes, and I can handle poop jokes, and I can handle weird sucking on blown-off fingers. But, like, <laughs> is nothing sacred? Like, must the six-year-old, wise beyond her years child, also have a potty mouth? Like, you're not an adult. You have a boyfriend, I get it, who trades or gives you all his juice boxes, but, like, don't say fuck. Yeah. Where are the adults in your life giving you boundaries? Oh, right. Well, I think for me, that was, like, a a tip-off of, like, what this poor, clearly neglected child's reality is, is that she has to be her own parent. Yeah. Mm. You know? She has to, like, learn to regulate herself because her dad... Like, her parents get into this, like, really intense fight right at the end of the movie. Yeah. When it's revealed to the husband, who we haven't really seen throughout this movie, that Abby kissed the Black Panther. 
and he's like, she's like, I never see you. And he's like, I'm taking care of the kids. Someone has to. And I'm like, wow. It's very real. It's so intense. It's very real. Okay. And it's like supposed to be funny, but it was like really. But like just before that scene, so like this is lead up to Christmas or something. Sloan is the one who like Abby says some terrible passive aggressive remark about how Sloan is such a mess or whatever. Like, what did you do this time? You pushed another man away. Jackson's gone. What a loss. Mm. And then, and then Sloan retorts, well, you're just as much a mess. You kissed the black Panther at Halloween, which is like totally betraying her sister's trust and confidence. And isn't for her to say in the family living room on Christmas. So then of course the husband hears it. And then, like, this conflict goes down. But, like, and then, but Abby respond, retorts, you bitch. And it's just, like, that was such a moment where I was, like, right, this is all, the trope here is, like, bitchy women. Yeah. Mm. Who don't have any boundaries, nothing sacred. They have no allegiances to each other. They don't actually really have any kind of relationships with each other. There's no, no love. No, for sure not. There's no love in this movie. Yeah. My last note, which we've already talked about and answered, is why does Neil end up with the, quote, crazy girl from the beginning? And the reason is because this is a prequel to Get Out. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, that's my last note. My last note is uh, everyone is partnered and therefore happy. Yep. Uh, And this movie is the worst. Yes. Julie, (laughs) closing thoughts. My last note is that sort of to jump off of the idea that there are no loving relationships in this movie, Mm -hmm. even between the family members, and that, like, Aunt Susan is this weird satellite character who no one actually expresses any affection for, but she ends up in the emergency room waiting for Wally, Warner, Walt, whatever his name is, Mm -hmm. and Dr. Farouk comes out, and she has this, like, epiphany where she's like, I've always pushed away these people... From my life, I really need to, like, face my own fears and, like, embrace. Like, Aunt Susan is the only radical character in this movie for me. She's, like, doing what she wants, like, putting herself first, centering her own pleasure and her own, like, independence and autonomy. And then she's ridiculed throughout, but then she drinks the punch at the end and shacks up with Dr. Farouk. She fully mounts Dr. Farouk she fully yeah. mounts in the emergency. While he's room. working. Yeah. 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 Um, but he seems into it. He's so, very into so it. So I guess that's a possible loving couple. In the end. <laughs> I mean, they probably have wild sex. I hope so. I hope so. For everyone's sake. <laughs> but the like ending message for me is that like, heteronormative monogamies embraces for everyone in like the cult of no one is an outsider to that and you can't be happy without it and you can't escape it you can't escape it you can't be happy without it if you don't have it you're miserable yeah because i think like at the end in this like snapshot montage of the in the end credits or right before the end credits we see Every single character in this movie paired off with someone. Even the mom, the overbearing mom, gets paired off with Wally. And it's like... He seems nice, by the way. Sure. Wally actually seems like a decent guy. Like, are we to assume that the mom, like, finds 
happiness with Wally fine, but, like, becomes a better person. Like, she's a miserable person throughout this movie, right? Mm. Are we to assume that she becomes a better person because she's paired off with a man by the end of this movie? Because that's the impression that I have. That's interesting. Like, that introduces this idea, I hadn't thought about that, where the only two single women in this movie are Aunt Susan, who is slut-shamed viciously throughout the entire film, or the mom who is ridiculed as being like burns all her food she's like an inadequate housewife and that's presumably why she quote unquote doesn't have a man but like then yeah like those are Sloane's options and then at the Mm -hmm. end that's resolved because Sloane gets a man and then these two other variations of what spinsterhood could be Mm -hmm. are also tied up yeah everyone feels closure such as it is (laughs) Julie you look so tired suddenly full weight of watching that movie more than half a dozen times is finally coming down on I feel your... like I finally got to exercise and release it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Normally, at this point, we would talk about, like, were there, like, queerness <laughs> in the movie we're watching and, like, non-monogamy or, like, relationship styles in this movie, and I almost don't want to because I'm, like, I'm afraid of imagining... If there were queer characters in this movie, how they would have been treated. Because, like, we saw how racialized people were treated. And it's pretty bad. There is not a lick of queerness in this movie. Yeah. And I think, I don't... Not I'm really. not I'm not really interested in, like, imagining how queerness could fit into this no, movie. Thanks. Because it feels, like, unsafe. <laughs> yeah. It just wouldn't be that movie anymore. Yeah. It would be a better movie, probably. <laughs> Well, no straight but. person or no queer person would be friend. Like, there are no friends. Again, there's no friends. Yeah. And, like, that's also part of the violence of heteronormativity. Yeah, is that friendships aren't valued. Yeah. Or, like, needed. Yeah, that everything is, like, disposable outside the family nuclear unit. Yeah. Everyone and no one in this movie is functional enough to have more than one partner. Most of them aren't functional enough to have one partner. So no. I don't think non-monogamy has a place in this. I mean, either. Aunt Susan, I really, like, held out hope for. But yeah. she's also, like, pretty un- unreflexive. Well, and she's also, like, at the end of the movie, like, I would be more on Team Aunt Susan if she was, like, this is who I am, I'm happy living my life. But the end of Aunt Susan's yeah. story is, like, I've been unhappy my whole life yeah. because I just, like, sleep around and don't make connections. And it's, like... People can be happy doing that, but she, like, falls prey to the trope of, like, the unhappy... It hasn't made her happy. Yeah. Um, Scott, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Um, well, I am shutting down all of my internet presence, uh, now that I've watched this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Burn everything. Yeah, just... I'm going into hiding. Yeah. Uh, no, go to heyscottmarshall.com, and all my stuff is there. Brutal. Where can people find you on the internet, Nicole? Uh, they can't. Please don't try. You can look at our social media for this podcast, which we'll tell you um, in the closing credits, but I I don't have an internet. Um, Julie, thank you so much for being our guest. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> It was... We're so sorry you watched this movie <laughs> so many times. I feel so bad. <laughs> I think we have to make Julie a special Christmas card. As At things. least. <laughs> we might owe you dinner. Yeah, we might owe you a festive Thanks. special. Yeah.
Yeah. Maybe we can make her a pie. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good at pies. Yeah. Maybe That's... I'll make you be my holiday for every <laughs> Oh my god! Please <laughs> make me be your holiday. I would love nothing let's more. Do, let's do a real, like, a real-time, real version of, like, queer poly holiday next year and report back. And, like, let's make some sort of, like, alt, cult classic, like, subculture version of this terrible film. I love that. Let's take it back. What a great way to heal. What a... Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Flash forward one year later. Yeah. Yeah. You are both miserable. Oh my gosh. No way, but we are queer and we know how to do holidays correctly. Yeah. Including true. things like consent and like talking. And talking. Um, Julie, where can people find you on the internet if they wanted to? You know what? A better use of your time would be to look up Tiffany Paulson, who's the screenwriter for this. Find her on Twitter or Instagram and like give her tips. She went astray. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. See everyone tomorrow. See you tomorrow a with a much better movie. Guaranteed to be better than this. Could be literally this. anything. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow it's the Boston Strangler, right? <laughs> Lol. Wow. That was... Like, that was a normal amount of time for us, but I am exhausted because that movie was so... You've been listening to Season 1, Episode 12 of A Podcast in a Queer Tree by Nicole Marcoux and Scott Marshall, with special guest Julie Hollabach. Visit apodcastinaqueertree.com for this episode's links, plus our social media and a link to our Patreon. Don't forget to play bingo along with us when you're watching holiday movies. You can find the cards at hallmarkmoviebingo.com. Our theme music is by one who cuts wood and another who struts good. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow, but whatever you do, we love you. Happy holidays.